Back by popular demand, today I'm talking to Erin Pearson, branding specialist and best-selling author. Erin is best known for engineer disruption. He talks about engineering disruption because in business we are either being disrupted or we're disrupting. He talks about doing it through our passions, through our talents, through our unique values, and how that actually creates the biggest strength and is how engineer disruption occurs. He really gets us thinking outside the box, taking action and taking the steps to create insurmountable success. Thanks for listening to the Jerry Metcalf podcast, where top real estate agents tell how they do it. This podcast is to share knowledge for realtors and raise awareness for Give Back Homes, where real estate professionals work together for social good. Jet Centers Aviation, Bentley Atlanta, Legends Global, thank you for your sponsorship. All right, everybody, welcome. It is the Jerry Metcalf podcast where top real estate agents tell how they do it. And today, back by popular demand, we have someone who is not a real estate agent, Aaron Pearson, who is famous for branding and disrupting your market. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But first, Aaron, remind everybody who you are, where you came from, what your business is and what you do. Well, that's a long answer. First of all, thanks for having me back on the show. Thank and you for all being listeners here. who have requested me to come back. That is an honor. Thank you guys so much. Um, yeah, so my name is Aaron Pearson, um, father of two, a serial entrepreneur. I currently uh, run, this is my third iteration of an agency. Um, I've built and sold an agency. I had a consulting practice for a little while, and now I've partnered with two other incredible individuals, um, Aiden Fishbein and Mauricio Sanchez. Uh, to create what we now have, which is more of a global uh, brand consultancy where we do um, brand development, engineer disruption, we do strategic workshops, and then as well as a lot of creative execution. So we do a lot of video production. I mean, we wear a lot of hats, but our our kind of most unique um, differentiator is our strategic workshops, the brand discovery, engineer disruption, content strategy, uh, workshops that we facilitate for our clients all around the world. Um, so that's, that's really my main focus right now. And, mm-hmm. uh, we've really, the, the newest agency has only been around, uh, well, technically for almost two years, but we, we really went like full steam ahead, uh, January of, of, uh, this year. So, uh, it's been extremely good. Obviously I'm working poolside today. I was um, going to say, we haven't even mentioned the fact that you're poolside today. <laughs> yeah, so I'm hanging out here with Isaac in his studio. Isaac, you're, we need a new office space. I don't know what we're doing here. <laughs> I've never We've done it. This is why we have you on. So teach us these things. What's that? Yeah, I, I said, I, I thought it'd be fun to, to be in the pool. I, I've never done a pool uh, or I've never done an interview poolside before. And it's such a nice day here in Phoenix. It's about 105. Um, so I'm just enjoying, enjoying well, it, soaking it up. We usually have about a little over 2,000 views on Facebook of our interviews, so I can't wait to see how many we have now that we've got you and Pulsad. This is like, if not, they're just going to stop to see what is this guy doing. There's Sotheby's real estate agent interviewing the guy with tattoos by the pool. Something's up. Like, what is this? 
So I can't wait. It's all about branding, which you, by the way, have exceptional branding. And Sotheby's, we all are agents at Sotheby's International Realty. And just to remember, everybody, the Sotheby's International Realty agents are not the only agents listening to this. We have all agents of all calibers, whether you're new in the business or taking it to the next level is who we're talking to. Um, But it is funny that you've got the Sotheby's real estate agent over here. And then in which in, in a big thing we are proud of is the branding. And that's why I love talking to you because we have the Sotheby's brand behind us, but it becomes all that more important that we each are branding ourselves because our clients love Sotheby's, but they're not hiring Sotheby's. We are, our clients are hiring us. So right. I'd love to start out with big, big thing, brand engineer disruption is what you call it. Define that for us, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah, engineer disruption is a term that my partners and I came together through doing our own kind of internal strategy. And the idea is that we believe, and this is part of our manifesto, there was actually an article just written in Inc. about it. I can share the link with you Please do. to share with your audience. Yeah. Um, and our, our belief that we're very uh, strongly rooted in is we believe that companies are either disrupting the market or they're being disrupted. And... Um, yeah, it's pretty black and white. The gray area is what people define as noise. So if there's noise on social media, that would be someone who's not disrupting or disrupted. They're really not convicted in any one singular belief. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just kind of one in a million, right? Um, mm-hmm. Or one of a million. Uh, the companies that are doing a really good job disrupting um, are very unique. And the ones that are disrupted, they get they even get a little bit of a... <clears throat> Uh, I guess, recognition because of the fact that they're being disrupted so much, right? Right. So you don't want to be in the middle. You definitely don't want to be on the disrupted side. You want to be on the disruptive side. So what we do as a company is we engineer disruption in a controlled environment. It's a two-day workshop that we do um, with clients all around the world. And we try to find ways to put their existing business out of uh, the existing business model out of business. And we do this through a series of, of exercises and frameworks and research and by the end of it, the idea is that I want the CEO of, of, of the company that we're working with to look at all the weaknesses or all the potential opportunities that they have mm-hmm. to move into a new market. Um, that way, they are going to be less threatened by some kid in his garage or some you know, MIT student coming up with some app or some idea that's literally going to blow his business model out of business. So we come up with those ideas. We arm them with that information in hopes that they use that. Uh, information intelligently um, to pivot their business to become more disruptive and less of the disrupted. And you, and you, I don't think there's any specific kind of business that you're doing this for. I mean, you pretty much, or is there, is there a specific business that's more attracted to you than another? We have a really good uh, street cred and, and um, portfolio of working in the real estate industry. So real estate brokers, residential, Mm -hmm. um, commercial, real estate technology companies, mm-hmm. um, title and lending, because I have so much experience in that. Um, and I feel like one of my early on clients that I had three or four years ago, uh, we disrupted them really well. We did mm-hmm. a really good job. They've hit Inc 500 three years in a row. Um, they have, uh, over a thousand agents. When I started with them, they had five. So, uh, this happened within the course Which of company about- is this? four years. Uh, the name of the company is My Home Group. They're okay. based out of Arizona. They now have offices in Seattle, um, Washington, and uh, I think, I, I don't want to quote the other locations, but they're, okay. they're moving. Right. They're, they're broad. Yeah. 
That's huge. So mm-hmm. when you when you meet with a company and you talk about because this is company agent whoever we all it's it's it, I don't even know if people recognize how important it is to be in a position of quote disrupting your market. Um, what are do you have a series and these are really just off the cuff questions so you spend this however you want to get the message out but do you have like a like step one two and three or what is your process of learning the company assessing the competition and then creating what's going to be truly productively disrupted for that company. Yeah, so I do have a bit of a process. It's a little proprietary, but I can give you some of the gist of it, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, I, well, one thing that, and this is kind of a debate that we were kind of talking about before the show. Right. Maybe we have this little yeah. debate, and I think yeah. we should have a debate. If you guys are watching the live stream, let us have a debate. Um, I think one of the quickest ways to disrupt an industry is to um, take as much overhead out of your, figure out a way to take as much overhead off of your business as possible, number one. And number two, come up with a really disruptive uh, pricing model. Um, If you look at the company's hotels.com, they own zero real estate. I think we talked, maybe we use these as references. Um, And and Uber, um, they don't own any vehicles. Um, All they own is technology. In fact, if you look at pretty much any large company right now, they're all technology companies. Airbnb is a great example. Well, I mean, right. look at, like, let's look at Pizza Hut. You can now order Pizza Hut through an app on your phone. You can monitor the delivery process. Right. You don't need to go in. You know, does Pizza Hut really need a store with a restaurant with lights and, and go through all the de- decor and decorating? Right. If, you know, if you really wanted to disrupt themselves, cut your overhead costs, right? I'm working right. for my people today. I'm not working for my office, and I don't fully believe in offices. I thought that was your office. Unless you know, today it is right for, right for the next hour until I get like totally like, fried. Isaac um, and I are, we're getting a new office too. It's going to have a pool. Right. There you go. He's a yeah. green. He's Stop. excited. Right. On the rooftop. Yeah. Um, so, so no, but what, I, I guess what I'm saying is look at any large company that's out there and tell me that they're not a technology company. Walmart. Um, you know, yes, they have a massive store, but you can also buy pretty much anything you want from them online. Same with Target, same with Pizza Hut. Wow. Um, I mean, yeah, uh, even, I mean, just any company really, the biggest companies now are becoming technology companies. So I think use technology to disrupt. Um, that's one way pricing will always disrupt. And that's one of the most disruptive things that we see happening in real estate is, is brokerages coming up with hundred percent models or, um, discounted commissions or, uh, one day listing agreements or you name it. There's all sorts of disruptive type stuff. Um, there. I mean, we, I, I worked with one broker who was having their customers procure their own buyers and saving money uh, or essentially saving them money on closing costs by procuring their own buyer. Um, right. So th- there's all sorts of weird radical stuff yeah. that I think people are trying to do and uh, in real estate specifically. So I, I'm because we, we don't agree on the well, I, not that I don't agree on the pricing structure, but I don't know that I agree on all your strategies, or at least I, I wouldn't even say disagree, but I always say we have different perspectives on it. But I yeah. do want to totally align with you for a minute on this. Um, Amazon, you know, you've got, yes, Walmart's online, yes, Target's online, Airbnb, they're online, and they're they're leasing out and making more money than the Marriott. I mean, they're, they, they've already, and with no real estate. So, right. Then you've got Amazon.com, for example, that's affecting. So I know people in commercial real estate being a residential. I'm married to one of them. And they're talking about changing 
you know, there was a site that was zoned to be a mall and zoned to be retail that they had to convince the city to rezone into warehouse so that they could store Amazon. They could get the get the packages and the products delivered via Amazon closer to the residences because nobody was going to the the demand wasn't there for the mall and it wasn't there for the retail. So like talk it was, about it was disruptive there for prime memberships and overnight overnight deliveries, right? Right. Delivery, yeah. So that's, and Amazon, that that rumor about Amazon having drones drop off packages within thirty minutes is a is a real right. thing. That's not a joke. It's like, awesome. Right. Real. I'm all for like a lot of people are against it, and I'd love to hear what everybody has to say, but. It, it, it's a real it's a real thing and i'm all for it um maybe i'll regret saying that one day because a lot of people there's a lot of <laughs> no, controversy maybe i'll debate, look back at this and say i did if i'd only known but what's that i said that our debate was in the uh, the brokerage model right um, so so percent versus splits and i don't know that we necessarily are going to disagree but or, or on every component, because you and I align in a lot of ways, and we have a lot of, um, I have a lot of friends that love your perspective and branding and the importance of it. But on that, I was asking you before we came on, what are some ways that you, that you, what are some good examples of how a real estate agent or brokerage can disrupt their market? So answer that question for me. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll tell you, when I started working with, um, that company years ago, they, they started very small and we realized early on, I mean, they knew they wanted to have a hundred percent brokerage that in and out of itself was disruptive. Mm -hmm. First of all, that model didn't even exist out in Washington when they moved out there. So a lot of agents didn't understand it. They thought it was too good to be true. Mm -hmm. I think the big thing though, that, um, that I instituted was, um, we created an in-house marketing department for a company that couldn't actually afford to have an in-house marketing department at the time. They were a startup. Uh, they mm -hmm. were giving away 100% of their commission. They were only making small transaction fees per mm -hmm. transaction. And uh, what I did was I um, hired a handful of interns from the local college, and I staffed these people up and trained them and mentored them. Um, and what we did was we provided custom branding, websites, identity, business cards, signage, for the agents that came on. And that was actually one of our most unique selling points is mm -hmm. that we are a brokerage that represents, we are a brokerage for the agent, not a brokerage for the brokerage. Now, let me tell you right. something though. I wanna, I wanna be clear. Okay. Sotheby's in my mind has always been in an upper echelon luxury. I always have perceived um, Sotheby's as, as a very um, just high touch point, white glove experience type of brand. And then it's not to say that these other companies that are hundred percent don't have that, but that's how I've always perceived Sotheby's. I, I was in New Zealand um, six months ago or eight months ago, and I met with a Sotheby's office out there and I was asking them about how they do it. And in other countries, commission splits and the way businesses are ran are completely different right. than they are here in the U.S. So when you look at, if we just want to talk about disruption for a second and right. stay on that kind of thread, um, I think that, uh, the, the, the industries that, that excite me the most, like real estate, like insurance, like even uh, car sales, are, are the industries that haven't really changed much in their ways in a very long time. And right. they do for a bit of a spring cleaning because consumer behavior has changed. It changes every month. Right. So to, to say that, um, well, we're going to have a model that worked, you know, 50 years ago and expect it to, to continue to thrive and live on, right. um, somebody is going to come in and disrupt that. So I think that you know, the hundred percent models, they are disruptive, but there's a catch for that. You don't get the training. You don't get the right. support. Now they do give training and support, but it's not, you know, it, if the, if the company's making 30%, 40%, 50% commission, right. Um, 
they're able to provide technology to the agents. They're exactly. able to provide websites and things and signs and all the things that are needed for you to start your business. Whereas 100% brokerage, it's a little, it's a little more difficult. So uh, here's the thing: there is going to be a broker for every type of agent. There's so you just got to, the, to you just money. walked us, you just walked us through our whole debate. Like it's done now. Like, <laughs> you just took us like you just killed it. Like we can't, can't get I, heated I, or anything. But we'll I go with that, it anyway. I agree right. with you. I agree right. with you, but I agree with me too, which is that there's a broker that's for the everyone. Problem. Right, exactly. Well, and that's exactly right. Like I, like there are people who don't hire me, and I don't want them to hire me because they're not right for me. There are people I, I'm not sure if I go to Walmart actually. <laughs> There's a, I go to Walmart, I go to Costco. I don't go to Walmart either. I use those I go, right, I'm, right, but I go to Costco. I, I do go to Target for certain things and certain services and delivery. There's certain services that they provide that I'm not going to get at Saks or Nordstrom or whatever that might be and vice versa. So there's, I think there's a business and a, in, in a, in an environment for everybody, but also on the, even on the Sotheby's model, a lot of people assume that we're traditional. However, if you go inside of the brokerages and you work for all of them, you start learning quickly that Sotheby's has developed an environment in which with the money, first of all, they'd have, you've, you've got a platform and a, you've got a PR firm, like nothing else. Now they don't work they're working for me and my competition, but it's a peer firm I have for my client that nobody else has. And now I've got this network of agents that are like these total powerhouses that I can go and meet at conventions and ha I'm kind of in there. It's, it's joining a club in a sense or the kind of the country club concept that I have access yeah. to relationships with them that I may not have had otherwise. So a hundred percent company. Yeah. You're still going to make friends with people. You still got really good agents. You've got really powerful agents, but it's there, you know, you've got a different and you do have every every company has different kinds of agents. But I'll tell you, when you go to the companies that are more focused on 100 percent, you get a little bit more of a transactional based agent, which in some ways I envy. Not that I envy. I love my business, but I'm that's a that's a talent that, that those agents have where I'm more of the relationship based hands-on white glove service because that's the nature of how I do things. So that also leans me more into the Sotheby's environment and the relationships and the marketing and the PR and all of that good stuff. So, yeah. so on that, I, I, you and I are on the same page on how do you disrupt your market? Another good thing. And I think you talk about is I disrupted my market in Atlanta a long time ago with video marketing. Um, I was doing videos I was doing videos that were short films that weren't, you didn't, you turn on the video, you didn't know you were watching a video of a house. Everybody kind of knew about that. All you knew is you were watching some cool video about somebody playing tennis and going swimming. And then you figure out, oh, wait, they're talking about this house. Let, let me watch this again. So that's a, that's a fun example. I'd love to know some other thoughts you have about on disrupting your market. I mean, I've got my clients going to parties with their iPhones, showing them the videos I made of their properties and totally disrupting them. You're totally disrupting your market when you do stuff like that. Um, yeah. So what are, or even like, I'll give you, and then I'll, I want you to talk more, but another great example you have is, I don't know if it's the one you're talking about, but you had a brokerage firm where you're kind of like, what is the market missing? What are, what is my client need that nobody's providing? And I think you guys have like a daycare 
not daycare might be oh, the wrong word, but you yeah, had, that was another, that was another right. one of our clients that's local out here. We, um, I actually wrote an article about them in the Huffington post. Um, she just spoke at Inman. Her name's Kayla Leos, mm-hmm. uh, Jason and Kayla Leos from JK realty. And they, yeah, they, they did something really neat. Actually. Um, they, they created an environment that agents can come in and work no matter what's going on in their life. They, if they're, having a good day or a bad day. If they have their kids, there's a, there's an area for the kids to play video games. There is, it's literally a penthouse. So like, it's such a fun environment that like, when you go there, you're just kind of like you, the energy, you know, I'm a product yeah. of my environment. I'm sitting right. out by the pool. Of course I, I love environments. Right. right. Um, and, uh, and you walk into this space and it's gotta be probably one of the most unique, uh, real estate offices I've ever seen in my life. And I wrote about them because, um, they have this very contagious brand that like when people get uh, engaged with them, um, now their whole tagline, well, one of them selling joints since 2007. Oh, wow. Uh, that, that's, that's disruptive in and of itself. <laughs> yeah. So they, I mean, and if you, if you go to their website, can I plug their website? We built their website. Um, it's, uh, it's JK Realty AZ. JK Realty. You got that, Isaac? JK Realty. Yeah. JK Realty AZ. Go to their culture page and watch their culture video. We produced their culture video. We actually all dressed up in costumes and went out um, on Jason and Kayla's boat. I was the fox, so I had a big, or a wolf. I had a big wolf head on, but then I was wearing a tie and a suit and a vest, and we were wakeboarding. So we got drone shots of us wakeboarding behind this boat. But it, here's the thing it wasn't about what we were, what we were trying to tell the story of there was not. Um, necessarily about selling real estate. It's about joining a family. Um, mm-hmm. It's about connecting with a community of like-minded people that really um, enjoy what they do. They like having fun. They like making money. They like working with clients. But also, um, you know, they really just enjoy each other, right? They're trying to live life to the fullest. I think that another one of their taglines is love the life you live and live the life you love. And that's on right. the back of shirts. And, um, one of the things, and I'll just keep going on with this because yeah. I think they're interesting case study is that, um, you know, they also do door knocking, like door knocking is a huge part of their strategy. Wow. Okay. Uh, they do it in troves, like 20 people will be at one door and then, and the person will open the door. Like what is going on here? Yeah. And, uh, that's they, disruptive. Uh, they actually, yeah. Yeah. They actually invite them over to, uh, to have a slice of pie. So come over to our penthouse. Uh, you can bring your kids. We've got video games and, and we'll give you a slice of pie and, and talk to you about the market or, you know, help you find a home or whatever. But it's just so like, yeah, it's very disruptive. It's not the conventional wear a suit and tie. I'm your realtor, um, you know, numbers and analytics and, uh, right. you know, it's, it's really an experience. And I think that, They've done a very good job creating experiences. In fact, if any of your listeners are going to Inman, I'm 99% sure Kayla Leos is going to be there speaking at Inman um, in a couple days or next Kayla week. Leos. Awesome. Yeah. So, but de- definitely check them out. They're, they're a really interesting case study um, mm-hmm. to look at because uh, they, I just have never seen anyone be as bold as they are. And I think that it takes – you, you have to be bold and kind of convicted in your beliefs to be disruptive. And, uh, they're doing something good over there. That's, that's, that's a great example. And what you just made me think about, so our broker, David Baymeg in our office showed us, this was like two years ago, but it stuck with me a video, um, 
about the neo-consumer versus the traditional consumer. And it talks about the traditional consumer is always going to buy based on price, not to get back to our pricing argument because it's not about that, but maybe it is. But, um, you know, traditional is like it's always about cost. What does it cost? What is the cut? But the, the whole point of this video came out, the question asked before is, why in the recession when nobody could pay their mortgage, nobody had money, everybody's broke and unemployed, did they, when they came out with the next iPad, were they or iPhone or whatever it was at the time, where they lined up at the Apple store three blocks or whatever away and spending the night to be the first ones to get a thousand dollar Apple product? Well, it goes to the message of you've got your your you've got two kinds of consumers. You've got neo consumers and traditional consumers. And tr people are either going to buy one of two ways: one, purely on cost, or two, the neo consumer on what you're talking about. The culture of where be, belonging is something, the culture, the aesthetics, the comfort, the efficiency. I have the Apple, 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 what is it, monitor? The thing's a thousand yeah, bucks. So I could go get a TV displays. for 300, yeah. right? But I want my yeah. Apple because of the aesthetics and the, and I'm kind of in the Apple club and I love all my Apple stuff and it all syncs up and it all has this experience that I will pay three times for to receive that experience versus the traditional, which goes back into giving our clients that experience and the culture and the environment that they're looking for. So when you were working with Kayla Leos um, on her, where did you step in? Kind of give us some examples of how y'all, how you figured out how to bring them to this level of boldness and branding that you'd really don't even see in other markets. So that's a good question. I can't take all the credit for that. I've always told her that. I really, I'm honored that we played what I said was a small role in um, the expansion of everything that they've built. Um, but what we did was, we actually have a video of it on our website, the vitals.agency website. Mm -hmm. um, first, we, I mean, so before we do or design or create anything for anyone, um, we, we have to run through um, a series of different strategy sessions or frameworks, or we call it, it's just all in one workshop mm -hmm. um, where we're first of all, identifying who's their target customer. Now in the case of when somebody hires us, they're not hiring us to help them sell more homes. They're help, they're hiring us to help them recruit agents, top producing right. agents, agents that'll stick around, so on and so forth. So we're more on the business development side than on the B2C portion. We, we really try to help create the culture and the brand and so on and so forth. That The model is is growing with agents and selling homes, but growing with agents, you have to have agents, right? So, right. Uh, so we profile, first we, first we profile uh, the different types of agents because um, there are different kinds. There's individual agents, there's new agents, there's agents who have teams, there's agents with ISAs and so on and so forth. There's mm -hmm. tons of different types, luxury, some like doing fix and flips. Um, so we have to go through and really start carving out, well, who is Who's the best type of agent that we want? And we base that off of their existing agent roster. So we started profiling um, not just, you know, the age and demographic, but like psychographs. What are these people thinking? What are they seeing? What are they wanting? Um, what are they saying? Uh, what are their pains? What are they hoping mm -hmm. to gain if they sign up from the brokerage? And then what solutions does your broker provide in lieu of that? And then the other thing is, is well, what things do you not provide? based off of that profile, where are there areas that we can create um, new connection points between the ideal agent and your brokerage? Mm -hmm. um, that's step one. Um, step two is defining brand attributes. So we define the look and feel, the voice and tone, um, the culture. Uh, you know, we, we literally go through, and, and this, this is a 
timely process. These are eight-hour strategy sessions, right? We break them up mm-hmm. into two uh, four-hour days. After we after we do the brand attributes, we have messaging, uh, we have look and feel, uh, we understand the overarching. Like if I were to design something after we do that, it doesn't come back, and people aren't like, "This doesn't look right." No, no, no. It's based off of the criteria that we we go for. So if we're looking for sophisticated, uh, rebellious, but also sexy, mm-hmm. then by design, if I look at that, I should be able to point out those three, you know, descriptors in the design. Um, it, it makes well, our execution process more meaningful. Well, you, you said something huge. I don't know if I heard it on your podcast or if I read it in a book that you wrote or what it, but you said, and what it, you decide what your brand is and in every piece that you put out, like for example, elegant and fun is mine. If you need to be, you know, I want everyone to see the elegance of my marketing and yet I'm still fun. So in every right. piece that you put out, it should it should send that message about you. Like, what are the three things you just mentioned? Every not just like okay, this is who we are, cool, good to know. But in every piece you're sending out, you need to send that same message out, and that message is going to, I, you know, John Lee Dumas and his podcast. He calls it your avatar. Is yep. talking about who your audience is and who who you're speaking to and who you're sending that message to. So it's yep. huge. By the way, I was just on his show. It'll air September 11th. Oh, uh, awesome. So September know, 11th. Yeah. I'll yeah. be sharing that. Not the best day to air a show, but it's uh, it's there. So Well, well know, we, we won't forget. Pearson, no. Easy no. date to remember. Yeah, yeah. it is. Um, and then, okay, so let me finish. So we do user profiling, number one, brand mm-hmm. attributes, number two. Then we look at, um, we do an exercise called goals and priorities, and this is where we figure out what is it that we are going to execute. So we break our goals and priorities down to three different sections. One is revenue goals. Where are all the potential streams of revenue in your organization? Mm -hmm. Um, What are you leveraging? What are you not leveraging? This could even be strategic partnerships. This could be uh, MSAs that you have with Mm -hmm. lenders or title. This, This is everything. Anything that's revenue related, we would put in here. And then we prioritize what are our main focuses. Um, That's part one of goals and priorities. Uh, Then we do systems. What systems do you use to run your business? So a business has two major components. There's an internal component of how you run it and then an external component, which is customer-facing, what everyone else sees. So the systems part allows us to look internally at um, you know, what type of accounting software do you use? What type of cloud storage? What type of phone systems do you use? How many times does it take, you know, for somebody to answer the phone? What type of music do they listen to when they're on hold? Mm-hmm. Um, things like this, right? It's internal systems and typically technology. A lot of times what I find is that brokers are paying for tons of technology that they are not using. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like the saying, like the best camera is the one that you have with you. Well, it's like the best CRM is the one that you use, right? Right. Um, Although I would fully say check out Inside Real Estate and KV Core's new platform because it's freaking I was awesome actually going to ask you. But I was, yeah, what is the CRM? Let's, let's circle back to that because let's I want to talk about Yeah, let's yeah, do. Okay. That. Okay, so and then the last part of the goals and priorities is the fun part, and that's awareness. How do your customers become aware? Social media, video production, um, Google advertising, magazine ads. So if you look at what I've listed, user right. profiles, brand attributes, systems, revenue, and – um, awareness. We've pretty much covered every single aspect of the business, but the, the goal of doing a workshop like that is to get real time alignment and to create a trajectory or a vision. Mm-hmm. And from that, we then execute moving forward. So the way our business works, just so you know, right. we don't just do project and then we're like, all right, see ya. All of our clients are on retainers. So we are 
very, we're very much a strategic partner with the clients that we have. Um, depending on uh, the clients and where they're located, we sign exclusivity. I want them to know that we work directly with them. The stuff and the strategies that we create are proprietary and, and designed for them and their and their avatar, their customers. Right. Uh, so that's our model. We're very much so aligned with uh, with our clients. That's why we only have about six of them right now um, because they're very large engagements, but we're extremely um, close to them every day. I mean, we have systems. We use Trello. We have a 30-minute response time. I mean, it's pretty much like we're in their office. We're just, you know, remote or at the pool. Not our whole, our whole team isn't hanging out hey, at the pool. If you're, you're, just, if you're just, at your... I just saw you like I just taking notes on everything you said, and if you can do it that well out by the pool, I mean, good for you. That's just, which you know, lifestyle, right? We talked a little bit about lifestyle and career. Um, do you want to give us any advice on on that? How we can show houses by the pool? <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I think you can show houses by the pool. Uh, I think technology is going to enable people to do that. They can share. They can show houses um, from from anywhere in in the future. I, I see. Uh, virtual reality playing yes, uh, an immense huge. role. I think it's going to be. I think that's going to be the future of the MLS. I think this idea of having MLS providers that are in different states is an is another industry that needs to be broken very mm-hmm. quickly. There is there's a massive problem when you're trying to connect CRMs. When you're trying to grow your brokerage on a national level, you now have to integrate with fifty. You know. Uh, MLSs. Or like what about New York archaic. City where you don't have it's one? Ar- right. It's archaic technology. Yeah. And, and even, yeah, I mean, it's just the, the industry is so primed for disruption. That's why that's I guess why you I love it. sit at the pool, you know, whatever. But right. uh, it's, it's been, uh, it, it's, it's awesome to, uh, to be involved in it at this time because just technology is making it so easy. So I think that, I guess to answer your question, how can, uh, lifestyle business. How I think that, well, number one, people need to define what type of lifestyle they're gonna, they, they would like to have. So most of the time, people do it backwards. They they have this number in their mind. They're like, I want to make two hundred and fifty thousand dollars this year. Mm-hmm. Um, how many homes do I have to sell? How do I have to do that? So they're thinking right. about that, but they're not thinking about how is your life going to be affected if you sell two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars, you know, or commission out whatever your GCI. Right. Um, uh, so. Some people slave over meeting their business goals, and then they put their life uh, kind of uh, on the side. I, uh, Mark Cuban says this. Uh, Mark Cuban's quote is, follow the green, not the dream, right? And uh, I, maybe I said this on your last episode, but I, I, I'm a believer yeah. that you can, you can find the green in the dream, okay? So, uh, but it just takes intention. It takes thought. Like, first of all, sit down and, and kind of carve out what type of life would I like to have Right. From this business, not don't let your business dictate the type of life you have. Let your let you dictate the type of life you want, and then have a business and design a business that that coincides with it. We're designing. I mean, what what we do at a super high level is we mm-hmm. help companies design their business. Um, but from a personal standpoint, I'm a firm believer in designing your life with the same amount of tenacity and and um, kind of tact that I do when I design a business. Um, Joshua Smith says people spend more time designing their grocery list than they do their life. I believe that. Um, I don't do that anymore. I do quarterly postmortems on myself. 
I look at my wins, my failures, where am I spending my time? Um, and that's not only from a business perspective, it's from a personal finance perspective. It's mm -hmm. from a spiritual perspective, a health perspective, a family re relationship perspective. Am I giving my kids enough time? Are they learning what they need to learn? Are they developing at the rate, you know, I, I right. would like them to, are they experiencing? So I think that, um, this is why journaling and things that people always talk about journaling and taking notes, I think it's just so important uh, for you to really have a good understanding. Gary Vee talks about self-awareness. Same thing. I'm oh, pretty much Gary Vee is hilarious about self-awareness. Yeah, Gary you know? Vee, so, yeah, yes. You know, know yourself. So I know things about myself. I know that if I sat in a cubicle for, you know, 10 days straight, you could never get me to, I would quit the job immediately. I can't do cubicles. I have a hard time even going to my own office. Right. Um, I get bored here. Sometimes I go and work at coffee shops. Um, my favorite place to work actually is at an airport. Um, I don't know why. So I do you, what do you see? Do you go to the airport in Phoenix and hang out and do work? I don't go to the, no, it's between flights, but I really get a lot but of work. But you really done. like it? Maybe it's the pressure the of the next flight or. I think it's the people. I think it's just the, the buzz the around hustle you. And bustle yeah. And the, yeah. The energy. It's just, uh, I don't know. I, 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 I feed from other people's energies. I feed from my environments. And, um, yeah. So to answer your question, I think one design, what you want your life to look like, then to find a way that your business, it's like a Venn diagram. There's like these two circles. Right. So got your personal values and goals and what, you know, it's important to you and then your business goals and values. And the idea is to find the overlap between the two. I don't mm -hmm. work at the pool every day. Some days sucks. I got to, you know, respond to emails. I'm on conference calls all day. You just caught me at a good time on a nice Tuesday. Right. On a nice, beautiful Tuesday. What's your Sunday going to be like? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, probably sleeping in, to be honest. Oh, good. Me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not the guy that wakes up at 4 a.m. and hits the gym. Um, I tried that. I got burnt out. Um, I, I really enjoy my fun time. Yeah. That's all. Well, that's awesome. I think, you know, and it's a, the uh, key is to know like know who you are. What is the common denominator you find of uh, whether it's real estate agents? Because and you you obviously consult brokers, but you're dealing with real estate agents and seeing them a lot, or brokerages, or successful people in general. What do you find the common denominator is of those people that you're working with? Well, I'll tell you what. The people I'm working with are a lot different than agents. Mm -hmm. um, this might be a little controversial. I don't want it to come off wrong, so let me think of how I can say oh, this. Oh, it's okay. Go for I it. Think that, Make it I fun. think that the, the people that I work with, and because I've defined this, I've worked with agents before. I've built websites for a individual agents. We've done small le level well, stuff. Well, I think you work with Joshua Smith. Yeah. Because it's not. Now, Joshua Smith, he's a, he's, a, he's a very, very unique character. I wouldn't even consider him an agent. I right. look at Josh the same way I would look at my other customers. Well, not anymore. Right. Here's the big difference. The big difference is that um, I think that there's a difference between like this entrepreneur mindset and the CEO mindset. And I think that um, the, the customers that we work best with are business people. Mm -hmm. They have formal, they, they're, they're very structured. Um, they, it's not like they're not, you're not going to catch them sitting by the pool like me. Okay. Right. They're, they're, they're wearing a suit right now. They're in their office. Um, they're looking at financial reports and numbers and graphs and statistics because that's what they do, right? And um, the cool thing is, is you know, I don't sell smoke and mirrors. We give them graphs and statistics and supports, which enables them and or at least gives them the reassurance to continue our retainers. So we we always um, 
we deliver, right? We deliver mm-hmm. and we, we provide results. So we stay in that, in that realm, but I can't operate like that personally. It's very difficult for me. That's not how my brain works. Um, I, I think the most common denominator is like, these are very, um, uh, disciplined people, uh, that mm-hmm. I want to say are fairly analytical, mm-hmm. more on the analytical side and less on the creative side. It's kind of, that's where you come that's in. Really- that's actually a spectrum where that we do when we profile people is are they analytical or are they uh, creative? And um, the correct. The reason why um, I think we've done so well is, I mean, yeah, I look creative. I got the tattoos. Like I can sit and hang with any CEO in a T-shirt right. and have a really intelligent conversation. And um, they look for that. I juxtapose their their presence. I, I bring that other aspect to it. And my partners do as well. My partners are kind of a little bit in the middle of them and me. Right. So I'm like, super radical way out there. They're super analytical, very uh, tight niche. And then my partners kind of fit in the middle and they help, um, translate my crazy visions to them. Um, it's a really awesome partnership. It works very well, but those are the people that I've found. I found, um, we work best with because, um, they get shit done. They're, they're not, uh, looking at every penny they they understand that what we do now is going to ripple out and affect them in the future. Um, and they look at big picture stuff, not the short term, you know, can I make my, is my ROI going to come back in 30 days? No, it may not come back for a year. Right. You know? Um, may not come back well, you for just, two years. You just Who said knows? it in three words. They get shit done. That's the yeah, common, they really de- get shit done, that's man. the they common get shit denominator. Done. They get shit done. Like at some point, I was talking to another broker, managing broker at Sotheby's, and he talked about the different kinds of people. And you've got people who are unengaged. Then you have your motivated underachievers, your motivated overachievers, and your actual stunningly successful people. But you get a lot of these motivated underachievers or unengaged, and they are not getting shit done. So, Or they're motivated overachievers who are trying to get too much shit done. So, yeah. Awesome. I'd rather have, I'd rather have, I'd rather help recruit one like top producing agent than 50 non-producing agents. Those are expensive. Yeah. They're super expensive. The support is ridiculous. There's a lot of handholding. Um, now it's not to say that they shouldn't be, I think that for new agents coming in, they should be signing up with a brokerage like Sotheby's or a brokerage where there's a higher split because they're going to receive, I mean, they're going to get an offer. They're going to get like front line in the trenches work to give them the experience to then go out and get shit done on their own. I think that that's important. Well, I don't, um, well, I don't know if they're going to get, I don't know if we're going to get that. It's, they're not handing out business at Sotheby's, but I know, I know what you mean. You're, well, yeah, you're not business, but yeah, you understand right. like you're going to you learn. You need to be with a company where you get the training. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's again. I don't want I don't want people on this feed to say, well, I have 100 percent brokerage and we give mentorship. It's it's not that they that they don't. I just think that if if a company if a broker is only making three hundred dollars a transaction fee, how can they afford the overhead of training and hiring a marketing department, doing all this? It's very very difficult. So they bootstrap it together, and it's not that it, right. it's not valuable. It, you know, it's not that at all. Um, it can be extremely valuable, but the companies that are taking 30 to 50% commission, uh, from right. their agents are, are, it just, it's simple. Well, math. The PR, you got a more. heavy PR machine behind you at Sotheby's. That's for sure. And the people yeah, in the market, I mean, we've got a whole marketing department, right? I, 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 the Sotheby's is, I've always envisioned Sotheby's as kind of this upper echelon, yeah. um, very high end and, uh, 
And when I saw them out in New Zealand in their office there, I was just, I mean, I'm always impressed every time I see a Sotheby's office. There's a, there's a certain standard that I think you guys meet, and uh, you guys are very consistent consistent well, in, uh, in dealing that. In all of your travels, we may have talked about this before because I know you travel a lot, but all of the Sotheby's offices, they locate based on the, the most prestigious zip code and most expensive zip code in that area. So if you ever travel, if you just find the Sotheby's office and stay close to that, you know you're going to be in the right part of town. Yeah, uh, Queenstown, New Zealand is extremely expensive. The housing market out there is, first of all, booming from the U.S. because everyone's loving New Zealand right now. But also, um, it's really expensive. Everything out there is expensive. Um, Multi-million dollar uh, U.S. dollar. There you go. uh, Just just for a regular, you know. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, disrupting your market, user, you know, I think just it's, it's business people in general. Who's your avatar? What, do you, what makes you special? What are your brand attributes? And what are your goals and priorities? And that's basically the, the simple way of the process that you go through to really figure out how to break through. Because I, I think, too, everybody, one of my questions to real estate agents on this show is what is it that makes, you know, you as an agent, like let's pretend you're a successful real estate agent, what, it, what is it that makes you stand out above your competition? That's a question I ask everybody. Um, and I think the, the answer they're looking for is what you just said is finding that in yourself. What are you best at and going through it, something like that to, to pinpoint and just keep making yourself better, but add to that. If you have anything, I was kind of summarizing what you said. Yeah, I was going to say, don't try to force, force yourself into being, uh, or positioning yourself in a way that's unnatural. I'll give you a good example. Our website, uh, vitals.agency, we, we blog, we write a lot of, uh, we create a lot of content. We have mini courses and things on there. I have never had one customer or qualified customer opt into our website. We have over 60% organic traffic to our website. We don't have the CEOs. We don't have the people that I described as our ideal customer going to our website. Let me tell you who we have. Right. We have people who are freelancers and um, agency owners like us coming to our website trying to figure out how to do what we do. So I'm, just, awesome. I'm just using this as yeah. an example. Yeah. Instead of fighting that and saying, oh, we don't want them. We want CEOs. We want CMOs. We want brokers coming to our website. I mean, it's designed for them. Right. We're getting these agency people. So, you know, embrace it. We've got a program now that we're going to launch very soon where we're bringing on partners from around the world to join our company um, so instead of stalking and looking at us from afar, we're going to leverage that opportunity to grow our business. And, um, I, I'm using that as an example because I, and I don't know, hopefully your audience can have that relate to them in their own perspective. Right. Um, but just don't, you know, don't swim up the, don't swim against the stream, right? Like let, let the current take you where it takes you. And, you'll discover that there's a lot of opportunity out there um, if you um, do things that are just kind of in alignment with what you're naturally uh, good at. Oh, that's awesome. Well said. So what is one thing you want? And that might be it because that was really good. But if there's any one thing that you would want everybody listening to this to take, just one, what would it be? Um, this is a quote I posted I think a couple of weeks ago on my Facebook feed and it's relative to what I just said, but it's, um, stop, <laughs> stop right, getting, stop. Hold on a second. All right, Isaac, I hope you're paying attention because this is a good one. 
He's already forgotten it. <laughs> stop doing uh, or stop getting good at what you don't want to be doing. So stop getting good at things that you don't want to be doing. Oh, I love that. Yes. A lot of people force it. They, they well, are, and it's not really, you can't really get that good at what you like, enjoy doing. Just, yeah. I mean, if you want to, I, I'm a firm believer that you can have it all. You can have the business that you want. You can have the relationships you want. You can have the lifestyle and all the things that you want. If you sit down and, and really define it. So, um, and, and, and all we have is time, you know, why would I spend time doing things that, um, ultimately aren't serving kind of that highest vision of myself. Um, there's one other thing I'll leave you with too. This is a quote from another gentleman. I don't recall his name, uh, but he said, uh, it was in, in regards to your network and the people that you align yourself with. And he said, how can you have a clear vision for yourself if you're hanging out with people that don't have a, a vision for themselves? Like, um, mm-hmm. if they, if they don't have a high vision for themselves or they don't have high standards for themselves, how are they going to support your vision? Exactly. You? So you got to really you be you're around. people like really need to align yourself. And it's not even like your network is your net worth. That's, that's thrown out a lot, but this just has to do with overall like happiness. Like mm-hmm. I need to be around people that have similar values to me and, uh, and also have these massive goals because their goals, I'm like, dude, you could totally buy that boat. And I'm like, yeah, someday I'm going to go to Necker Island and hang out with, you know, Richard Branson. Um, like yeah. that's just a goal of mine. Um, but the people that I talk to, they see that for me. They're like, dude, you're going to do that. You could totally do that. Like, why would you um, like, why would you kid about that? Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then like, you know, other people who I still, I mean, it's not that I hang out with them, but they're around and they hear it. They're like, dude, like whatever, that's just too far <laughs> off. You know, like they can't even not really vision it. And Richard uh, Branson's putting his pants on one, one leg at a time, just like we are. So, right. you know, right. Yeah, right. not at all. Awesome. So thanks again for having me back on the yeah. show. I, really it. I hope your audience digs it. They um, will. I, they will because you were the one. Like people on the podcast are like, hey, I really like that Aaron Pearson. People are stopping me in restaurants. By the way, <laughs> Aaron Pearson's awesome. I'm like, okay, we got to have you back. So thank you for coming back. You're great. I love That's it. That's great. Awesome. So thank right. you again. And uh, guys, yeah, again, if you want to reach out to me, my website's just uh, vitals.agency. Um, and then I'm big on Twitter. I don't know if you guys are. Also, Instagram. You're great on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. So either of those. Uh, my Instagram is uh, Aaron Pearson 333 And uh, I do a lot of stories, a lot of uh, content on that. So. Well, yeah. everybody check it out because he's the branding component. You've got it. You've, you've uh, really awesome. nailed it. It's incredible. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. All right. See ya. See ya.